0: Well, it's been 2017 for about 10 hours and 22 minutes so far. How are your resolutions going? Hopefully uh, it's been pretty easy since you've been awake for probably only four or five of those hours of the new year. But I bet if I ask that question maybe tomorrow after 36 hours, if I ask that question next week after a week... Ah, uh, maybe they wouldn't be going so well anymore, right? Because 36 hours is probably more than enough time to overeat again, to not exercise today like you promised you were going to, maybe to put lunch on that credit card again. It usually doesn't take long, does it, for our New Year's resolutions to fall by the wayside. For many of us, it hasn't taken us long to realize that... Um, Making New Year's resolutions is really pretty pointless because it's we just I, if you're like me, you just can't keep them. They don't stick, right? Webster defines a resolution as a formal expression of will or intent. New Year's Day is when we make those things, right? A formal expression of what we intend to do for the whole year. Here's how we're going to change. Here's what's going to be different in my life for the next year. And then it usually takes a few hours, days, if are really good weeks, before we forget those resolutions and we give up. But if you're trying again this year, if you're one who has made a resolution now for 2017, then you're one of millions of Americans who have also made New Year's resolutions for this year. And my guess is that the resolutions for 2017, the most popular ones, are going to be the same ones that were the most popular for 2016. Right? Living a healthier lifestyle is always way up at the top. Right? Losing weight. Spending more time with family and friends. Saving more money and paying off debt. Those are usually the top five resolutions that get made. So if you made those resolutions in those areas, you're in good company. If you've already broken resolutions in those areas, you're also in good company. For me, New Year's resolutions are an annual reminder of how quickly I can fail. Right? Maybe it's the same for you too. So, so my question this morning is, this, should we just quit making New Year's resolutions? Should we just give up? I don't think so. And I don't think God thinks so either. In fact, Paul talks about resolution making in his spiritual life. Take out your Bibles, turn, turn with me to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Here in this chapter, Paul is talking about really his spiritual resolutions, right? Commitments that he has made to follow God. You know, not just for this year, but for the rest of his life. To follow God's commands, to follow God's laws, to let them shape his life. You know, I, I hope you've thought about your spiritual life at the very beginning of 2017. I hope that, that maybe if you made a resolution that, that you shared a hope or something different in your spiritual life. I hope that you have hopes and desires for your relationship with God. That, that you want to get healthier spiritually, right? That, that you want to spend more time with God. Maybe that you want to read his book more. Maybe that you want to love him more and love his people better. You know, it's fitting that here on January 1, 2017, we listen to what God says about our resolutions through the Apostle Paul. So I'm going to read Romans 7, starting at verse 7. I'm going to read through the end of the chapter and the first verse of chapter 8, because I think it's important to keep that verse in there too. It's a little, it's a little heady. But think about resolutions, following God's laws, following God's direction and your commitment to that as you hear what Paul has to write. He says this. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin... ...seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment... ...produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life... ...actually brought death. For sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. So did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death So that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual. But I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is. It is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. All right, so this passage here, as wordy as it is and sometimes confusing, it confirms what we already know and have confirmed about our resolutions to live for God, right? It it confirmed that there are real dangers in making resolutions, right? Choosing to draw a line in the sand of your life, which is exactly what a resolution does, right? that carries with it a dangerous side. You see, a new danger, Paul is saying, was born in our lives when God drew his line in the sand by giving us commandments and decrees and instructions for living. Paul identifies that danger in verse 8. He says, Sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. Apart from the law, sin is dead. So, So making resolutions, taking some kind of stand for the coming year, it creates a new definition of what is right and what is wrong, doesn't it? When you make that resolution, suddenly what was fine yesterday is now wrong today. What was good to do yesterday is now off limits. Let me give you an example. When I was just a kid growing up in Muskegon, One of our favorite Saturday destinations was Hoffmaster State Park. So my dad always left, for some reason left my mom at home, but dad loaded up all five kids and took us. I don't know why mom didn't want to come with us. but um, So he'd take us to Hoffmaster almost every Saturday. And one of our favorite things to do was to run up the dunes and to jump or roll or run down them again. Little did we know at the time that, that the sand flowing beneath our feet... ...was probably doing huge environmental damage, right? But it was fun. And so one Saturday, we showed up at Hofmaster In front of our favorite dunes, they put a sign. And the sign now said, do not climb. And suddenly, a boundary had been set. Suddenly, what I could freely do last Saturday... Without any issue, without any problem, now if I did it this Saturday, it would probably get me kicked out of the park. That new rule, all of a sudden brought disobedience to life. It gave the opportunity for me to be disobedient. Just like Paul writes, apart from the law, sin is dead. Law brings sin to life, gives it that opportunity And you have to think about who Paul is writing to here, right? Many of these first century Greeks whom Paul is writing to, when they became Christians, when they accepted Jesus, their lives radically changed, right? There are brand new definitions now of what is right and what is wrong for them. So when they decided to follow Jesus Christ, it was dangerous, because suddenly the life they were living yesterday with no problems is wrong today. Right? Suddenly the casual sex that they enjoyed is off-limits today. Suddenly the citywide celebrations celebrating the Greek gods and goddesses that they loved to be a part of is wrong. Suddenly the standard by which they did business was all changed and different. Suddenly the expectations of what they should do with their money... Is different. In a moment, the law and the direction of God changed what was acceptable and what was right. And even think about them making a life change like that. Think about, think about how hard that is for them. And now think about how hard it is for us just to do one little change. Your New Year's resolution, right? We're just changing, if you made one, and I hope you did, one little thing about life, they're changing all of life. It's the same process that now we're asked to do on a smaller scale, right? Our resolutions create a new definition of what is right and what is wrong in our lives. Yesterday, when it was still 2016, I could eat all the chocolate I wanted without any guilt. Right now, now suddenly, today, eating too much chocolate is wrong because of my resolution. Yesterday, when it was 2016, I could go to bed without exercising and feel fine. What if I made the resolution to exercise this year every day? If you go to bed tonight without exercising, you're wrong. You missed it. You failed. Yesterday, when it was 2016, I wouldn't think twice before putting lunch on my credit card, right? But if I made the resolution to, to pay off all my debt, then when, if I put lunch on my credit card today, that's off-limits. These are just small aspects of our lives. We have the hardest time keeping them. We have the hardest time making it through a month, let alone a year, let alone a lifetime of making change. But God's clear definition now of right and wrong, his desire for obedience opens the door to failure and guilt in our lives, doesn't it? Ignorance was bliss, wasn't it? Ignorance was bliss. If you don't know the law, then you don't know the boundaries, then, then you're free to do what you want. If I'd never seen that sign that said, do not climb in front of the dune, I can climb the dune all I want and not worry about it. If I never see the no trespassing private property sign, then I can go for a walk in that woods and feel fine. If I'm driving down the highway and I don't see the speed limit 70 sign, then I can go 80. And not worry about the policeman, right? So God's commands and his directions for living, right? You know them, do not steal, save sex for marriage, give 10% of what you earn back to God, love God, love your neighbor. This new standard that God has set for us to live by, this direction that he gives us because he knows that's where we will find true joy in life, those Directions also suddenly make failure and guilt real in your life and in mine. And look at what Paul wrote in verses 9 and 10. He he said, once I was alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. God's directions for living intended to bring you and me wholeness, happiness, joy. Intended to show us the best way possible to live. But if we're honest, we'd all have to admit that they also make us feel horrible sometimes. God's directions for living teach us every time that we fail. They make us feel rotten when we blow it again. They bring guilt to our lives that eats away in our guts. Isn't that exactly what many of our New Year's resolutions do too? The danger of making a resolution today is that we set ourselves up for failure, for guilt. These resolutions are supposed to make us better people, right? They're supposed to make us happier and healthier and and better parents. We spend better quality time with our kids and our grandkids and they're supposed to make us people who are financially more responsible. But all these well-intentioned resolutions to improve our lives end up leaving us feeling badly, feeling guilty for not becoming the people that we want to be. Our resolutions become a source of failure and guilt in our lives. And that's why so many of us have given up resolution making altogether, right? Why make them if we aren't going to keep them? Why make him if we're just going to feel guilty about it? Why not just keep eating chocolate? Why not just keep being in debt and spending more time in front of the television instead of with your kids? Are these commandments, are these resolutions more trouble than they're worth? Well, that's not Paul's conclusion. In verse 13, Paul boldly declares the value of these signposts of life. The value of, of these commands and guidelines and then resolutions. Right? He asks a question and he gives the answer. He asks, did that which is good then become death to me? And he answers with the words, by no means, exclamation point. He emphatically stops our minds from going down that track of giving up. Because he knows that we need to make resolutions in our lives. We need, to, we need moments like the start of a new year. Where we step back and evaluate our lives and commit ourselves to something new. Some improvement. We need to set new spiritual goals. We need times of, of resolution to stir up within us a sense of dissatisfaction with who we are. That's the value of resolutions, right? They challenge us to never be satisfied with our present broken condition. One of the greatest dangers that you and I face in our spiritual lives is that we get satisfied. We get complacent. We get content. We get too comfortable and we begin to actually look at our lives. And we begin to believe that we are good enough. Good enough. Nothing more needs to change. Good enough. And when we reach that point in our spiritual lives. Then Satan has won. Because God has so much more. In mind for you. And for me. God's goal. God's is to transform you and me into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And he is not going to be satisfied until we imitate Jesus perfectly. And we should not be satisfied either. Today, January 1, 2017, a little holy dissatisfaction will be good for us. Because God not only wants us to feel some dissatisfaction from who we are right now. But he wants us to set our sights high on who we are going to be and become. You want to hear God's expectation for you? For me? Matthew 5 verse 48. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus gives his disciples this command. He says, be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect. In case that wasn't clear, let me read it again. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Talk about setting your sights high. Talking about high standards, there you go. In your life and my life, God is aiming for nothing less than perfection. That's the standard set. It's interesting, in the story of the rich young ruler, many of you know that story when Jesus writ. ...ran into a rich young ruler and and this rich young ruler comes to Jesus and asks... ...he says, what good thing do I need to do to get eternal life? What good thing do I need to do? And after Jesus points him towards the commandments... ...the man replies that he's kept all of these commandments... ...and Jesus then raises the bar on him and says, if you want to be perfect... Go and sell all your belongings and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Do you see the change Jesus makes? Jesus raises the bar. He says, if you want to be perfect. No longer what good thing, what perfect thing. God is not satisfied with pretty good for you and for me. He's shooting for perfection. And if we aren't willing to make a serious, introspective evaluation of our own lives. If you and I are not willing to face honestly the places in our lives where we keep falling short. If we are not willing to be dissatisfied with those shortcomings. And if we are not willing to... To resolve to become more holy, to become more like Christ in this coming year, then we are not following the life path that God desires for us. Then we are no longer in the process of becoming more Christ like that God designed. And Satan has won. That's the truth. That you and I must remember when we get down to the reality of our resolution making. We need to know that becoming like Christ is a lifelong process. And struggling with sin and failure is a lifelong process. I mean, look, at, look at verses 14 and 15 that we read. Paul writes this, he says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Paul is forever struggling with sin, and you and I, we need to admit it, are forever struggling with sin. We will never be perfect on our own. But that doesn't mean we give up. That doesn't mean we don't try. It doesn't mean that we don't keep moving closer and closer in our lives to this high standard that God has set for us. Paul makes two things clear when it comes to the reality of making our spiritual resolutions. He says, first of all, in verse 18, that we are guaranteed failure. Because of sin in our lives. Guaranteed. We won't be able to do it. We can know from the very start that we will never be able to perfectly keep our resolutions. There will be failure, there will be guilt. Paul says in verse 18 that he has the desire to do good, but he can't carry it out. He says in verses 21, 22, and 23 that he has all the right motives. He really wants to do what's right. But he keeps on losing the battle to his sinful desires. And he ends up in verse 24 crying out what a wretched man I am. And Is that where you and I so often end up with our resolutions? We're simply reminded again of how wretched we are. That isn't where Paul ends. That's where we it's not where we can end up either. Paul answers his own question. His question in verse 24, after seeing himself as this wretched man, this, this hopelessly trapped in his resolution breaking, commandment breaking, sinful pattern, he asks, Who will rescue me from this body of death, from this body that keeps failing, right? And he immediately sees the answer it's this God of ours who is a God of grace. It is this God of ours who makes perfection possible through the blood of Jesus Christ who forgives our failures, washes us clean, and makes us perfect again. It is this God of ours who is the God of second chances, and third chances, and fourth chances, and fifth chances, and on and on he goes. Because the reality of our resolution, spiritual resolution making, is also that we have guaranteed success through the grace of God our Father. Right? Romans 8 verse 1 brings us to a stunning conclusion. It says, therefore, as a result of all this wrestling and resolution making, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus. As often as we fail, and if you're like me, you fail often. As often as we fail, God is there every time to pick us back up again. As often as we break our resolutions, God is there to get us going on them again. To pick them up again and try again. As often as we sin, God is there to forgive. We have a God of grace who wants us to set our sights really high and then who picks us up when we fall so that we might ultimately every time get closer to reaching that goal of perfection that he set for us, right? Romans 5, where sin increased, grace has increased all the more. Romans 6, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ, for sin shall not be your master, because you're not under law, but you are under grace. We have a God of grace, not judgment, who is eager to get us back on track again every time we fall, and that's what makes resolution-making possible. I'm not all that interested this morning in your resolution to eat better, to exercise more, whatever that resolution might be. What I'm more interested in is what is going to be your spiritual resolution for 2017? Have you thought about that? Did that even enter your realm of New Year's resolution thinking? you dare have you looked at your own spiritual life Have you dare to look for some place where you're dissatisfied some holy dissatisfaction where you're willing to say yeah you know what that's not good enough i hope so because good enough is not good enough in our relationship with god There's always better, right? There's always more like Jesus to be had in my life and in yours. So my challenge and invitation to you, ask this question. Where are you going to make a change this year in your spiritual life? The last blank in your outline, I'm going to leave a blank for you to fill in. Maybe your resolution, your spiritual resolution will be tied in with one of those healthy church values that we have owned here at Rest Church and we're striving towards. Right? Where, where, might be God, where might God be asking you to grow healthier in your worship? In how you meet with God? Maybe individually, personally, devotion time. Or maybe how you meet with God corporately here with the family of God. And maybe how often you do. Or where might God be asking you to grow healthier in your relationships? The relationships that he's cultivating in your life. Where might he be asking you to open your heart? To open your life to someone who can challenge you, encourage you, walk with you. Maybe that includes being part of a life group. Maybe it includes finding a mentor. Where can you have a healthier relationship? Where might God be asking you to grow healthier in showing Christ's love through service? Maybe service in the church here. Maybe there's a need that you've seen that you've felt God tugging on your heart and you've said, no, I'm not going to do it. And, and this time you're going to say, yeah, you know what? I need to serve. I'm going to do that. Maybe it's in the community around you. In your neighborhood, in another ministry Maybe it's far around the world We talked about in the world tour Is God calling some of you to go far away? To serve him in a distant place? Where might God be asking you To identify, nurture, and use the spiritual gifts That he has entrusted to you? Do you know your spiritual gifts? If I said to you, can you tell me your top three spiritual gifts? Could you? If not, then maybe God is saying, you know what? Find out what those are. Nurture those. Find opportunities to use those this year. Maybe God is prodding you towards a healthier, healthier spirituality. Towards a deeper desire to know God. Towards a, a deeper willingness to let the Holy Spirit move in your heart. More time in prayer. And maybe more time in prayer means less talking in prayer and more listening in prayer. And letting the truth of God sink deep into your heart. What might God be asking you? To truly trust Him by taking healthy stewardship to the next step. To truly being grateful for all God has given. Truly recognizing that we aren't owners We're managers We're stewards And what does God want me to do With all that he's given Not what do I want to do Maybe it's something totally different I don't know I don't know what your spiritual resolution For 2017 needs to be But God does And he'll let you know If you ask him If you listen for that Holy Spirit prodding, moving, speaking. So here's my invitation and my challenge to you and to me as well. Don't leave here this morning. Or at least don't let the sun go down on this day. I'll give you the whole day if you want. Without making a spiritual resolution for 2017. Dare to take that step, to make that resolution, to say, this is where I want to be more Christ-like. This is where I'm going to, I'm not satisfied, and I want more of God. I want more of Jesus. And here's my resolution, God. And then go and strive to live it this year. Do your hardest to reach that goal. Knowing right up front, know right up front that failure lies ahead of you. But when failure comes, don't forget about grace. Because grace lies ahead of you too. When failure comes, don't quit. Don't stop. Pick it up again by the grace of God. And hear him saying, let's go again. Let's try again. Let's do this together. God will give you the grace to begin. And he'll give you the grace to begin again. And He'll give you grace to bring you further along in the process of becoming perfect. That's your invitation and your challenge before this day is up. Your spiritual resolution for 2017. And on this New Year's Day, I want you to, to look and listen to the New Year's Confessions from some others. Watch the screen and, and listen and be challenged. No. Oh, wow, where did you get this? not that uh, wow which one of you guys did this this was my journal in high school (laughs) seriously have y'all been reading this this is my childhood diary these are my new year's resolutions from last year it's my uh my resolution list from 1992 (laughs) i was a weird kid (laughs) figure out what global warming is and do something about it (laughs) Break the world record in juggling. (laughs) Start flossing. Keep an eye on my thinning hair. (laughs) Wow. First thing on the list, survive Y2K. Um. Invite Gary to church. Nope, didn't happen. It's a little hard to (laughs) invite a guy you had to fire. Stock up on water and tons of Twinkies. Boy, the struggle was real. Teach Susie to sit, stay, and roll over. Susie's my little sister. Get a George Clooney Caesar haircut to impress the ladies. (laughs) Binge watch Lost. Did it. Found out who was in the hatch. Bit of a letdown. Love my mom more. Be kind to her and stop rolling my eyes. She was the first helicopter mom, probably in the in the '80s. Move out of my parents' house. I'm gonna move it to this year's list. Work out. Get less pudgy. That's a big fat note. Pun pun intended. Hey, mom. I- I got you on speakerphone, so... Oh, my gosh. Hey. Martha, your cousin, your is going to come here to Oklahoma for college. I'm so glad. Be as awesome a mommy um, as my mommy was to me. If only I would know how difficult that would be. She pretty much raised us by herself, so I don't think I, I can be near as good as she was. He promised to grandma to watch Matlock each week, then call her to discuss it. She loved that show. I didn't I didn't see one episode. I missed every episode. I miss her. Invite Steve to church. He went with me. Uh, that night he said he wanted nothing to do with God. Three years later, I get this call. It's like midnight, one in the morning. He calls me and says, Ed, 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 you're never going to believe this. But I accepted Christ. It's pretty cool. Tell Dahlia how much I really love her. Be a better dad. Quit yelling. I'm still working on that one. Read the Bible more. I think I read the Bible more. Start taking my faith seriously. I have done this. It's scary, but I'm. Yeah, I'm doing this one. Get to know God better. I know one thing. He loves me. Jesus loves me. I'm living proof. Surrender my life to God. Fully. Spend more time with God. That's been on my resolution list, for as long as I can remember. I've, I've been a believer for 40 years and I always want to spend more time with him. It's one of the most important things and it's always one of the hardest things to just get done, you know? Oh, I love Jesus more. Te amo, Jesus. you pray with me. Father God, there's a, there's 12 pages of calendar, each with empty boxes lying in front of us at the start of this new year. And Father, you know what this year holds for us. You've already filled in the details of each day. You know what's going to be there for us. We have the opportunity Here at the very start of this year. With a clean slate before us. To make some commitments. To make some promises. To make some changes in our relationship with you. And so I ask Father that you would give each one of us here this morning. The courage. Because it takes courage. The courage before this day is over. To talk with you about where we are dissatisfied, about what parts of our lives need to be shaped by you, need to look more like Jesus, and then to make a commitment, a resolution, a promise to you. That takes courage because we know that we will fall and we know that we will fail. And it'd be easier just not to set those standards, not to draw that line in the sand. Then we can go on in our ignorance, living the way we wish, living for ourselves instead of for you. Father, forgive us for that kind of selfishness in our lives. Forgive us for that kind of self-centered pride that works exactly against your desire to transform and change us. Forgive us. For all the times when we make ourselves gods of our own lives, rejecting you. And Father, move us closer to perfection, closer to Jesus. Thank you that even as we make these promises, as we draw a new line in the sand, thank you that we know that you love us. You adore us. Thank you that we can know that you will pick us up every time that we fall and you will set us on that path again. Thank you that we can be confident that you will forgive us and set us free from any guilt. And so I pray, Father, that you would give us a great sense of adventure and joy. As we make our spiritual resolutions to you. Remind us that the paths you lay out for us. The things you ask us to do. Are what will bring us true joy. Not joy as this world promises. But joy as you have designed us to live. Will bring us closer to who you created us to be. And so give us a sense of adventure. Eagerness. To grow closer to you. To be more like Jesus. And so Father we lay this year into your hands. May we walk into it purposefully. Hand in hand with you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us please. We're going to close our time with the song Unbroken Praise and for two